All right, we are going to jump into God's Word for this morning. We're actually going to be closing um, this series out today. Um, next week, we're going to be starting a new series, and uh, it's actually going to be a shorter series if everything goes the way I'm planning. And so, um, but uh, next week, we'll start a brand new series on prayer that I'm very excited about sharing with you. But uh, today, we're going to be closing out our, our closer series as we've kind of allowed this to be kind of the first message and series of the year. We're going to be kind of finishing it out. And this morning, um, because of that, I wanted to kind of kind of try to put a little bit of a bow on this whole series and kind of helpful, hopefully have it be kind of a situation where that uh, as we finish this out, uh, it kind of springboard you, it springboard us and me uh, into what 2023 has for us as individuals and as a church. Obviously, during this series, we did our 21 days fasting and prayer time. I hope that went well. I hope you've enjoyed kind of being back on a normal um, schedule, however that looks for you. But also, I hope that you've been able to kind of stay locked into what God is wanting to do and help you to understand throughout this year. So we are going to um, jump right in here and we're really going to finish with kind of an interesting topic because I kind of wanted this to kind of be kind of the last message of the series and obviously last week was kind of the first Sunday after our fast was completed but now that we've kind of had a week um, to kind of also allow this to kind of be that that bow on the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to start in Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, um, Paul has written to the church in Ephesus, and he's kind of putting a bow on that letter as well. And so we're going to kind of look at this together because I think there's a truth here that God really wants us to understand and look at uh, as we move into kind of this, this um, into the new year and so on and so forth. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Ephesians 6, starting with verse number 10. It'll also be up on the screen behind me if you need that as well. So here's what he says. Again, it's kind of like I said, Paul's kind of putting a bow on his letter, but here's what he says, starting with verse number 10. He says, a final word, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and, un and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you and we do thank you for this time and this opportunity to come. And, and God, as we kind of put the bow on this whole series, God, I pray that you would just help me to communicate what you want shared. That, Father, that my words would cease, that your words would begin, and that your words would change our hearts and change our, our perspectives. And that, God, that you would just help us as we kind of move on from this topic into what you have next for us. That, God, you would help us to understand some of the truths that I believe you shared with me for us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, um, I don't know if any of you know this, but um, I, you know, because I look so young, but I, I am older. And why did my wife laugh at that? <laughs> Everybody else did really well, and she laughed at me. I, I don't, that's, that's great. Okay, moving right along. Um, but I remember, I, 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 some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you will look at me somewhat strangely. But I remember when I received a, a, a very special Christmas present one year, I got a Nintendo. And not the Super Nintendo, not the Nintendo 64, not the Wii, and not the whatever, what is it, Switch now. All that. I got the original Nintendo, and man, I was excited. 
I was so excited. I got a baseball game. My brother got like ducktails. It was great. We had a great old time. And one of the things that we would do with this special machine that kept us busy during the winter time was we would go to the video store. I'm, I know I'm aging myself here. And we would rent a video game, okay? Some of you like are looking at me like you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are a little younger and you think I'm speaking in a different language. But we would go to the video store and rent a video game for the weekend. And one of the games that we loved to rent was a game called Tech Mobile. Okay, does anybody know what Tech Mobile is? Some of you, hallelujah, thank you, Gordon. That's my man, okay. And Tech Mobile was like this football game, but it was like, it was like the greatest football game ever. Didn't have all the teams, though. But anyway, and you would have, and, and, and Gordon will remember this, for those that are younger, or, you know, not younger, but older, will remember this, that you had a situation where my brother and I would play it, and you had basically four plays to choose from if you were on offense, okay? So you had two passes usually and two runs. Unless you were like the 49ers, then you had three passes and one run. Don't ask me why I still remember that. I'm weird, okay? And here's what you do. You would play the game, and you would pick your play. Now here's the thing, the defense would also have an opportunity to pick the play. If the defense picked your play, something horrible would happen. Basically you would snap the ball and all of your offensive line would just lay down on the ground and cry in the fetal position. Because basically the whole defense would just run in and just destroy you, okay? And so you had to be very, you know, sneaky. You couldn't just pick the same play over and over and over again. Because if you did, again, fetal position and you just get, you get beat. And so the other thing is you had to kind of hide your controls, you know, you kind of, you know, so you kind of sneak over, look over, see if you could figure out what the person was picking. But then you'd hit it and man, as soon as that ball was snapped, again, you just get crushed or you'd be okay. And I remember that as a kid, like, like if you knew the play, everything else changed. It didn't matter how good your running back was. It didn't matter how good your quarterback was. It didn't matter those things because if the, author, if the defense knew the play, everything got blown up. Everything was destroyed. This morning what I'd like to do is I want to kind of give you the play, okay? Because I believe that as we look at this last little part of this series that the enemy desperately wants to basically destroy you, destroy your life, destroy God's plan for you. I mean, here's the deal. We've, we've talked about this, this whole series about growing closer to the Lord. Listen, there is no one on this, in this world that desperately desires that not to happen more than the enemy. He loves to kill, steal, and destroy. And this morning what I want to do is I want to maybe give you some place that I believe the enemy is going to run in your life and in your heart to keep you from experiencing the closeness, the destiny, the awesome things that God has planned for you. And here's the deal. You need to understand this. Don't sit there and think, oh, I don't have a destiny with God. I don't, God doesn't have a plan for me. God doesn't want me to grow closer. That is, there's nothing more further from the truth. God has great things in store for you. God has awesome things he wants to do in you and through you. But the enemy wants to do everything he can to destroy that. And the reason why we kind of started here in Ephesians 6 and kind of with this idea of a final word is we need to understand who our enemy is. A lot of times we make a mistake and we think the enemy is the people that the enemy uses in our lives. And so we kind of look at the wrong thing. 
We think the wrong thing. If this makes sense, we guess the wrong play on Tecmo Bowl. And when that happens, we don't seem to understand why. Paul helps us to see that in Ephesians. He says, listen, you need to understand something. And I love here in verse 11, he says, you need to stand against all the strategies of the enemy. And one of the strategies is, is as you get into verse 12, is this idea of who we're really fighting against, who our wrestling match is really against. And it's not against each other. It's not against that person that kind of drives you nuts or, or has problems with you or whatever it is. It literally is our enemy. And so, yes, the enemy will do his best to use others to affect us, to destroy our play. But at the same time, we need to understand who our enemy really is. To do that this morning, I want to look at a story that most of us know very, very well. And I'm not going to get into the story and the part that most of us know. I want to look at it a little bit before. Because what I've learned about the enemy is one of his great plays when it comes to us growing closer finding our destiny in Christ, all these things, is he'll want to do everything he can to never even let us get on the field. Because if he can do that, then what God really wants to do won't happen. So we're going to look again at a very famous story this morning of David and Goliath. Well, let's kind of lay some groundwork here before we really get into the meat of what's going on. In our story, it's basically found in 1 Samuel 17. And I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. So that, uh, but give you some background and some context, but not spend a lot of time here, okay? So if you have any questions, come see me. But basically at this time, Israel and the Philistines are going to have a battle. One of the things that would happen sometimes in this situation, instead of basically having both armies just slam into each other, is they would pick what's called a champion, and the champion would come out from each side, and they would fight, and the winner of that would basically win the battle. It was kind of a nicer way to handle some of these situations. Well, in this situation, that was going to happen, and the Philistines had this champion, and his name was Goliath, and Goliath was massive. We're not quite sure exactly how tall he was, but basically based on what the Bible tells us and what we believe a cubic is, which is kind of the measurement here, basically we think he was around, you know, eight to nine feet tall. He was a big guy. His, his armor weighed 125 pounds alone. This is a massive person. And so he comes out and he begins to basically taunt Israel. He begins to taunt God. He begins to basically say, send somebody out here to fight me. And basically we're told in the scriptures that all of Israel, everybody that's there to fight in the battle is just petrified of this huge, massive man. The Bible records that he does this for 40 days taunting. What's wrong with you? Your God's nothing. I can, you could bring out your champion and all these sort of things happen. And every time this happens, Israel just cowers in fear until this one little young guy named David shows up. He shows up because his brothers are there at the battle and dad basically says, hey, will you bring your brother's lunch? So he says, sure, dad, I'll go on down. So as he goes down, he basically begins to hear these taunts. He begins to hear these things, and he responds differently, okay? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. In this concept, God wants to do something awesome, okay? Now, if you know the story, and most of us do, you know what happens. A rock flies really fast through the air and takes out Goliath. Israel wins an unbelievable battle. You could go on the street today and just, or somebody's, hold, knock on somebody, don't do this, but if you do, knock on somebody's door and say, hello, I'm, I'm Joe and I'm from this whatever. I, I have a question for you. Can you tell me the story of David and Goliath? 
I guarantee you 95 or higher percent of people would go, I mean, they don't know the details, but yeah, as a giant, the little boy slings, you know, they know the, the idea. This has been a massive story throughout Scripture. It obviously springboards David into some amazing things. and I mean, it's just a great, great, great thing. And God wants to use David to begin this process. But the enemy doesn't. You see, the enemy is smart, and he knows that, man, if, if we move out and we begin to move forward with what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives, there's going to be some giants that are going to fall. There's going to be some victories that are going to be won, and that is the last thing the enemy wants. And so what he begins to do is he begins to say, hey, how can I keep this situation from going down? How can I keep, from this, keep this giant on his two feet? Because the last thing I want is for giants to fall in Israel's life and in David's life. Because basically, if you don't know this, Jesus comes from the line of David. This is massive. And the enemy senses this. And so he tries to do everything he can to keep David off the battlefield. And what I believe in that idea is the enemy will do everything in your life to keep you from experiencing the great mighty things that God wants to do. And a lot of times he uses people to do that. So in this story, before, Dave, before the sling is ever wound up, before the rock is ever fired from it, the enemy tries to make some inroads to keep David from there. This morning we're going to look at four of these that I believe not only did the enemy want to use in David's life to keep him from his destiny and the great things that God had in store, but also he'll do it in our lives too. What I want to do here this morning, if this makes sense, is I want to tell you, hey, in Tecmo Bowl, the enemy's doing this run so we can blow it up, so that we can have the victory that God wants for us. So we're going to look at four different things. The first thing, we'll kind of go in order here that it kind of happens as you kind of see the building up that takes place in this story. So the first one is that the enemy tries to use the Israelite soldiers to get David to focus on the wrong things. Okay, look at this with me. 1 Samuel 17, we're going to start with verse number 23 and go through 26. Listen to what it says. Now remember, before we get into this, remember, Goliath has been doing this for about 40 days. Okay, he's been yelling, he's been taunting, he's been saying, send me a champion and all these sort of things. David shows up and he basically hears this go down. And this is kind of where we pick up the story. So like I said, 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse number 23, it says, as he was talking with them, and that's the, you'll see who that is in a minute. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. They said, have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. Uh, how? Okay, anyway. 26. David asked the soldier standing nearby, listen to what he says, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? 
Now, let's, let's see here some differences, okay? So what's happening here is David shows up, and here's the Israelite soldiers, and they're running away, okay? It literally says they're shaking, they're terrified. Goliath shows up, and they, 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 they're out, and they're saying, man, have you seen the giant? They're talking to David. Have you seen this guy? This guy's massive. This guy's huge and all these things. And then they begin to talk about, hey, listen, whoever kills him gets some things. He says basically, hey, he gets, he gets the, 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 the king's daughter. I mean, basically, what you, if you marry the, the princess, you become a prince. You get, the, I mean, this is a big one. The entire family doesn't have to pay taxes. I, I don't know what the tax situation was in Israel at the time, but I guarantee I, that's a pretty good deal. I'll take that deal. And so they begin to say all these things. Listen to what you'll get if you do this. But it's interesting. Although David brings up what he's going to get, because he kind of says, well, what are you going to get here? He hears it. He's making sure he understands. But at the same time, his focus isn't on the stuff. He doesn't look at it and go, wow, yeah, I get this and I get that. What is he focused in on? He's focused on something different. He's not so focused on the giant. He's focused in on how dare this guy actually do something that defies who our God is. His focus is not on basically himself and what he gets out of the deal. Instead, his focus is on others and more importantly, on God. As we go through this, you'll kind of see this. I want you to look at this, and I put these in your notes so you'll get this. And this is this one for the first one. The soldier's focus, listen, was on the danger of the battle and, or the materials to be won. David's focus was on the reputation of Israel and the honor of the living God. That's what David cared about most. Yeah, I mean, listen, would he, would he have taken the, the wife? Well, we know he does. Does he take the fact that his, his family doesn't have to pay taxes? Yes, he does. But that wasn't his driving motivation. That wasn't his focus. You see, what's great about God is when we focus on him and others, he takes care of the other stuff. And David understood that. David said, hey, listen, how dare this person do this? How dare him defy Israel? How dare him defy our God? His focus was where it needed to be. You see, unfortunately, a lot of times as Christians, we walk around and our focus isn't on the right things. Our focus with God becomes what we get out of the deal instead of what we give to the deal. Remember what Jesus said. Listen, what's the two most important things? Love God and love others, right? We, we talk about it all the time. Jesus says literally everything else is the, those things are the peg that everything else hangs on. But yet we don't live that way a lot of times. The enemy would love to get your focus, listen, off of God and others and get it onto yourself. And that is what really this is about. Because he knew if I can get my focus of David on himself, it's going to really affect everything else that takes place moving forward. But David didn't do that. David said, it's not about me. He said, it's about my nation, it's about my, uh, the other people, and more importantly, it's about my God. Your focus matters. What you're looking at matters. And the enemy would love, love to get your focus on other things. David didn't allow it to happen. David's focus was where it needed to be. Number two, 
That, when that didn't work, now we move into number two. Number two, the enemy tried to use David's brother to get David to focus on offense. Okay, to get David to focus on offense. Let's pick up the story. We, we jumped verse 27, but let's look at 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 28 and go to 31. It says this. It says, but when David's older brother Eab, Elab heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Now, let, let's stop here for a second because we, we can skip over this part very easily. But I want you to think about what's just happened here, okay? Now, if you don't know this, we've talked about this before, but if you don't know this, being a shepherd at this time was not like, that was not where the best and the brightest were at, if, if that makes sense, okay? Being a shepherd was not necessarily like, it was kind of like, you know, okay, this is the not the brightest, you know, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer. We'll have him go watch the sheep, okay? So David shows up and he's asking a question. He's like, what's going on? Like, what, what, how, what's happening here? And his brother gets angry at him. His brother gets angry at him. Why? Why does he get mad? I think it's real simple, okay? And we just need to understand this because sometimes we can be David's brother. He's mad, I think, because he knows what needs to be done and he's not doing it, okay? You know what I've found in my life and found in others? The biggest critics you have a lot of times are those who refuse to do what God's asked them to do. And so instead, they sit back and they point fingers at everybody else and how they're not doing it right. And this is, I think, the situation. I think he's basically sitting there and he knows that he shouldn't allow Goliath to talk like that, that he should trust the Lord, that he, but he doesn't. He sits back. Well, all of a sudden, here comes his little brother. His little brother's sitting there going, wait a minute, this shouldn't be going on. This shouldn't be happening. And so his older brother begins to try to tear him down, begins to basically, it's not about David, it's about his brother and the insecurities that his brother has. And so he begins to tear him down. Listen to what he says. He says, basically, what's wrong with you? He insults him. Remember, being a shepherd's not the greatest thing in the world. And he basically says, why aren't you back watching the sheep? And he doesn't even go, he goes even a step farther. The few sheep. He's basically saying, what you do and what matters to you is, is nothing. This is rude. I mean, this is not good stuff. He says, why don't you go back and watch the sheep? And then he takes it one step further and he attacks David's motives and his heart. He says, listen. You only care about yourself. Now remember what just happened before. What just happened was the enemy was trying to get his focus off of everybody else and onto himself. His heart is already in a good place. But guess what happens? The enemy comes at his heart again and says, no, no, no. Your motives are wrong. You're looking at the wrong things. You care about all this is only about yourself. He calls him prideful. He calls him uh, basically you have, you have deceit in your heart. Basically you're a proud liar. This is from his brother. It's not a good situation. Look at this with me. It's in your notes. David was misunderstood and publicly rebuked by his own brother. Now listen here. There is no doubt 
that what his brother Elab said hurt him, but he would not let it hinder him. Here's what I've seen in my own life and in many others' lives. We have sometimes people in our, in our lives, sometimes they're very, very close to us, sometimes they're not, but basically we have this, up, they say something, they do something, and we have a moment where we have offense. We have a moment where we can basically say, you know what, I'm going to focus in on the hurt, I'm going to focus in on the pain, I'm going to focus on the offense, and I'm not going to do really what God wants me to do because of what someone else said or what someone else did. Hear me, I didn't say here that it didn't hurt David. I am sure it did. I'm not asking you to say, you know what, I'm going to ignore the pain. I'm not going to deal with the pain. That's the worst thing you can do. But here's the thing. When we begin to deal with it, yes, it hurts, but we can't let it hinder us from what God's asking us to do. Some of you have not stepped out and to do what God has asked you to do because somebody somewhere in your past said some things that told you you couldn't do it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't sing well enough, whatever it might be. And so because of that offense, you kind of made your home there and you've lived there. And you said, God, I can't go out and fight this battle. I can't move forward with you because of what people have said. Listen, I am not belittling your pain. I'm simply saying that God wants to heal that pain and doesn't want to hinder, let that pain hinder you from what God wants to do. This wasn't just a guy. This was someone very close to David. Someone probably that he trusted. And the enemy tried his desperate best to allow that to keep David from fulfilling his destiny. I'm not saying it won't hurt. It will hurt. It does hurt. But we can't let it hinder us. In those moments, we have to make a decision. We have to decide, are we going to believe what what others say or what God says. You see, God called David to do a great thing. And it didn't matter. And it's interesting here, the way David responds to his brother. He doesn't argue with him. He doesn't sit there and say, no, you're wrong, I'm right. Because guess what? That hinders you too. That keeps you from moving forward too. He's kind of one of these guys that just basically says, you know what? I know who I am and I know who God says I am. So if that's in conflict to what you're saying, I don't listen to it. Is that hard? You better believe it's hard. But listen, if you want giants to fall in your life, there's going to be some people in your life that you're going to have to say, you know what? I love you, but I'm not going to listen to you. I love you, but I'm not going to listen. Because what you're saying right now is going to hinder me from what God wants to use me to do. Next, number three. The enemy tried to use King Saul to get David to trust in the wrong armor. Okay? To trust in the wrong armor. So let's continue on. So basically what we've had happen, let me kind of jump in a little bit in the story, but David goes before King Saul. King Saul says, what do you want? <laughs> David's like, I'm going to fight the Philistine. And Saul's like, are you kidding me? He basically says, listen, like you're a kid and this guy has been a warrior since he was a kid. Basically saying like this guy has been a warrior longer than you've been alive, David. And David's like, nope, I want to fight him. He begins to bring up, you know, instances in his past that he feels God has prepared him for this moment. And so finally, basically, Saul relents. He says, okay, 
If you want to fight him, that's fine. But then Saul begins to move in a direction. Again, I don't believe Saul's trying to ruin this, but he's being used by the enemy at the same time. So let's look at this together. 1 Samuel 17, look at verse number 38. It says, it says Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Now, now here's the thing. Like, in this situation, like, King Saul is really wanting to help, okay, He's like, listen, if you're going to go fight this guy, I'm going to give you the best armor that, that I got. Basically, who's got the best armor out of everybody there on Israel's side? The king of Israel. The king of Israel does. So he says, here, put this on. Put the, now remember, Saul is a big guy too. The Bible says that basically Saul stood basically ahead above everybody else. So Saul's already a big guy. David is a young guy. He's small. We see later on in the story, basically, you know, that he's, an, he's especially compared to Goliath, he's not a big guy. So he puts on all this armor. I, as, it's kind of funny, you know, you see these pictures on, you know, the internet or whatever about this moment. And here's David with a helmet that's over his head. He can barely see out of it. You know, those sort of things. But basically the Bible just says it's so big he can barely move in it and he's not used to it. Basically, what the, what the scriptures are telling us here is David is not able to move in the way that he typically does to do what he typically needs to do. So guess what it does? Even though it's trying to help him, it's a hindrance to him. But Saul's sitting there going, listen, listen, you need to wear this to protect you. Why do people wear armor? For protection. You don't wear armor just because... You wear armor because you figure in a moment, in a very short amount of time, there's going to be things coming at you that that armor will protect. So Saul comes from it in that idea. You need to have this armor to protect you and to help you in the battle that's to come. Sounds good, doesn't it? The problem is, as it says here, David says, I'm not used to them. Now, it's very interesting that he says this. Because in some ways, he's going, you know what? This is armor that I've never used before. This is armor that would be cumbersome to me as I go in the battle. And so David takes an extraordinary step that is kind of different. David tells the king, no. I don't know how often kings hear the word no. But David basically said that. He said, nope. I'm not going to trust in this armor. Because here's what we see. Before he gets this armor put on him, David begins to tell the story of how he was a shepherd and basically a lion and a bear would come to try to take a sheep. And David basically tells the story of how the Lord helps him defeat the enemy in that situation with what he already has. In that time, he didn't need the king's armor. He didn't need those things that the king is trying to put on him to help him and protect him. Basically, what we're seeing here is David understood he had an armor, but it was a little bit different than what King Saul's armor was. Listen, this is important. David had to renounce King Saul's armor and trust in the Lord and his armor instead. You see, here's the thing. Saul's armor didn't fit David physically, and it didn't fit David spiritually. 
And a lot of us want to go into the battle and we think that if we put on the right type of armor that we're going to be protected. The problem is, is we're trusting in the wrong armor. David understood this even though it was thousands of years before Paul would write this to the Ephesians in 6, 13 through 17. But listen to what he says. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after your battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The problem is that David understood something that Saul didn't. David was completely armed with God's armor. He didn't need Saul's. You say, Aaron, how does this apply for me? It's real simple. If the armor that you see here in Ephesians 6 isn't enough for you, you will try to put on different types of armor and I promise you they will fail in the battle. David understood that. You see, here's what's interesting. Remember what David said. He said, I'm not used to these. You know one of the tragedies of of a Christian in our world today is when we talk about the armor of God and they have the same comment, I'm not used to these. One of the reasons why we have focused in on some of these things in this idea of the series of closeness and closer is I want us to understand that these armor things that we get to wear are things that we need to be used to. You say, oh, but, but oh, the salvation, you know, the sword of the Spirit. The word. Listen, God doesn't want you just to be armored. You're not armored to sit there. You're armored to get into the battle. You're armored to fight against the schemes of the enemy. To stand firm against him. To win and be victorious. But listen, for some of us, we're not finding victory because we're not used to our armor yet. We're putting on the wrong type of armor. We're saying, boy, if I'm just smart enough, If I'm just wise enough, then I will be okay. No, you won't. If I just do this or I just do that, if I have this situation or that situation come forth in my life, then I will be okay. Then I will be able to stand against them. Guess what? That's Saul's armor and it won't protect you. In fact, it'll hinder you and keep you from accomplishing what God wants you to do and accomplish for him. You've got to put on the right armor. You've got to understand and trust in the right armor. The last one. So so let's kind of take a step back. So David, now remember here, David hasn't even gone down to the valley yet to fight him. (laughs) Okay? I mean, here's the thing you need to understand. Okay? This is something we forget a lot of times. The battle started a long time before Goliath started yelling curses. A lot of times we fail in our battle with Goliath because we forgot the battle started three months ago and we weren't getting ready for it. You see, here's the thing when it comes to this 21-day fast and all these things. Listen, I don't know when your Goliath moments are going to happen 
It, it usually doesn't happen in the 21 days. You know what 21 days prepared fasting are? You know what this closer series is about? It's getting you prepared because there is going to be Goliath this year. And I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to look like so that you can have some victory over them then. So David hasn't even got there yet. Finally, we're going to see the actual person that we would say would be the main antagonist in all of this. But again, this is always, it's not about Goliath, it's not about King Saul, it's not about David's brother, it's not about the soldiers, it's about our enemy. So the last one, the enemy tries to use Goliath to get David to put his faith in the wrong things. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 17, we're going to start him with verse number 41, basically right before this, David, he says, I can't take this armor. He takes it off. He grabs basically the things he's always had, his sling, his staff, goes and gets some rocks, and he goes out to battle. And here it is, the showdown, basically, and Goliath is there. Listen to what happens, 1 Samuel 17, verse 41 to 47. It says, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him. I love this, okay? Like, not only is this a, seems to be a completely unfair fight between David and Goliath, Goliath has also got a shield bearer, okay? Can I tell you something real quick to help you out with something, okay? The enemy doesn't play fair. He cheats, okay? Let's be honest. In, in our understanding, Goliath doesn't need an armor bearer. You know the reason why he's really there? In case something really bad happens which, of course, they're like, whatever, and to carry the man's equipment. That's why he's there. So not only does David show up, but the enemy brings reinforcements. Okay, if you think the enemy is going to be fair with you and play fair, you've forgotten who he is. He is the father of lies. He is deceitful in all his ways. He is a lion that walks around seeking who he may devour. And he is about killing, sealing, and destroying, and he will do that in any way possible. So here it is. Here's the battle. So he shows up with his armor bearer, listen, ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He says, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine. I love this. I mean, you want to talk about some trust, some faith, and some guts. Remember, nine feet tall, big man. You come, with, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you. I'm sorry. I'm just so sick and tired of Christians hiding in their holes. Our world is constantly ripping down and tearing down what is true and good and right. And I'm not saying we need to be rude. I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying we need to, to lower ourselves to that type of attitude. But you know what? We need to start standing up and say, you know what? You come against me with lies and deceit and deception in the enemy. But I come against you with something greater. 
something better. And that's what David says. He says, says, today, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Man. Come on, guys. You've got to get out of the Sunday school picture of this moment. This is life or death. This is gritty. This is harsh. This is, this is like, man, this guy is going to die or one of these guys is going to die. This is, this is massive. He shows up, this little kid. If it'll help you, I show up, okay? I show up and, and, and somebody like Gordon times two is standing in front of me. And he's sitting there with all the trappings of war. He's got bronze. Guys, bronze at this time was the height of technology. He had the best of everything. And David shows up with an ancient weapon and a stick. And he says, really? This is all you could bring for me? This is it? And he curses him. He curses David. He curses God. And has been for 40 days. And David's response is quite simple. He says, you know what? You've put your faith in your strength. You've put your faith in your size. You've put your faith in yourself and all your armors and all your stuff. He said, I'm not putting my faith in that. He said, I put my faith in something greater than everything you got. I'm putting my faith in somebody that is bigger than anything else. You see, David understood something that Goliath didn't. Goliath was depending on himself and his own strength. And David said, no, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about my God and what he can do through me. So many times in our lives, the enemy comes and he says, you can't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. You don't have the abilities. You're not good enough. And you know what? Sometimes we need to stop arguing with him about that and realize that he's right. You can't do it on your own. But you have somebody in your corner that's so much bigger than anything the enemy could ever bring against you. And it's time to rely on that. It's time to look at the enemy and go, you know what? I don't have the same armor, but my armor's better. Look what David does. Look at it with me. David's faith was not in armor, military technology, his own strength or ability to win this battle. David's faith was in the Lord God and he would win this battle battle the rock hasn't even been let loose yet listen hear me here the rock hasn't even begun to swing yet and Goliath is already done the battle's over folks do you not get that like yeah there's a sling that's gonna There's a head that's going to be severed from the body. And it's already done. 
It was done when David said, it ain't about me. It's about the Lord. When he said, you know what? I'm not going to let this offense keep me from moving forward. When he said, you know what? I'm going to trust in the, army, or in the armor of the Lord, not in the armor of man. And it was over when he said, you know what? It's not in my strength. It's not in my power. It's not in my talents. It's not what I got. It's the Lord's battle and he will win it for him. It was done. Everything else is postscript. Everything else is just icing on the cake. The battle was won at that point. Yeah, there had to be a sling. Yeah, there had to be a rock. Yeah, there had to be a sword. All those things had to happen. But you know what? In the spiritual realm, the battle was done. The battle was over. And David walked out. And scripture tells us that that sling did swing. That rock was hurled. I don't, have any, I don't have anything on this. I know that in studying about this over the last couple of years, that basically and that they, they found that a slinger at this time, and they, they were awesome. And that basically they had the ability with a sling to literally when they released that rock, the, the ballistics of it was about the same as a 45 handgun. I mean, this is, this, is, this is a serious weapon here, folks. But I just, this is just me. I don't know if this happened or not. I promise you in eternity, I'm going to ask the Lord. But I've just always thought like when David, he said, whoom, whoom, whoom. And then he lets that thing go. And I just always pictured God just looking down from heaven and at that moment going. Whoo. I mean, you were talking about a rock moving. And that rock strikes the enemy. And he falls flat down on his face. And the victory is won. I'm not taking away David's ability and willingness to go out and fight. That's awesome. We all have to be willing to go to the battlefield. But we have to understand who wins our victories. And it's the Lord. And here's the thing. I don't want to win my own victories. Because I'll tell you this. If it's left to me the victory will not be that big. But when the Lord comes and the Lord wins victories, I mean, they're routes, okay? You don't have noticed about in the Old Testament when you see these battles that take place? There's battles that happen without the Lord, and then there are battles that happen with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, when it's with God, it ain't even close. It's a rout. It's, it's basically, you look at some of these stories, it's like three days to clean up the spoils of war. It's no one escapes types of situations. And a lot of times, the people of God are just there. They're at the battle. But God fights it, and God wins it. And it's not even close. Listen, if there's times in your life, listen, God is so good that he will, you'll win some battles on your own. You will. You'll win some battles on your own. But I promise you this, you will not have the types of victories that God wants you to have until you let him do your, his fight, the fighting for you. Until you understand, yeah, I'm going to swing this rock, but God, I need you to blow on it and guide it and help it. You see, I believe very strongly that this year is going to be a year of some miracles, 
I believe that we're already seeing some of those things begin to take place. And look, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm as just as impatient as you are. I'm ready. I'm ready for those things to happen. And I believe we're starting to see those. I, I believe that we're starting to see the enemy sensing those things. He's already sensing them and he's going, oh man, there's, there's something coming and he doesn't like it. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to use every trick in the book. He's going to use everyone that he can to try to keep you from allowing giants to fall in your lives. From having the types of victories that God wants to have. And listen, I'm telling you right now, this is the play. Pick the play. So that when the enemy comes and he brings that offense, you can say, no, 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 enemy. Yes, that hurts. That's not fun. But you know what? You're not going to hinder me because I know what you're doing. When somebody comes and basically says, oh, man, we need to focus in on what we want and what's best for us and what we're going to get out of the deal. You say, no, 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 enemy. It's not about me. It's not about my wants, my desires. It's about God and about others. And I'm going to focus in on that. You're going to blow up his play. When the enemy says, listen, you need to trust in these things. Put this armor on. This is what will really protect you. You go, no, 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 no. I know your play. Your play is trying to get me to trust in things that aren't really going to protect me. I'm going to trust in God's armor. I'm going to understand God's word and use it correctly. I'm going to, I'm going to put on the, the helmet of salvation. I'm going to let my faith stand up against the things that you attack me with. Oh, I, no, I'm not going to let it happen. And finally, when the enemy comes and says, you know what? Just trust in your own abilities. Trust in what you got. You know enemy I know your play it's not about me it's not about my strength it's not about my abilities it's about my God and he will win this battle I'm here and I'm ready and you know what I believe this with all my heart giants are going to fall I don't know what your giant is I don't know what giants, but I do believe this. I've just felt like this in my heart. There are some giants that some people have been dealing with for decades that God wants to take out this year. This year. Like not like this is, I, I believe this with all my heart. Like this year. I can't tell you when, I'm not, but I believe that this year. I believe God is preparing you and preparing us for this moment. I don't know when Goliath is going to show up. Maybe Goliath has already been showing up in your life and for 40 days been screaming at you. I don't know when the battle is going to take place. But I guarantee you this, a battle is coming. And it's time for us to be ready. It's time for us to get down into the battlefield and win some massive victories for our Lord. I believe it with all my heart. And I think it's time for us to understand that. And I believe that God, in his ultimate goodness and mercy and grace, has just given us the enemy's battle plan. Now here's the deal. Let's go back to Tech Mobile. I could know the play. I can know they're going to do a run around the, 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 the left tackle. I can know that as, as much as I know anything. 
But if I don't input it into the controller, it doesn't matter. You understand? God didn't just speak to us this morning so we can go, yay, I know the play. When the time comes, we have to allow the Lord to help us to press the buttons to blow up the play. And you would go, Aaron, isn't that simple? I wish it was, but I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in others' lives where we know the play and we refuse to hit the buttons. You say, Aaron, how do we hit the buttons? Simple. We stand against the enemy and we remind him of what the truth is. I already talked about it this morning. When the enemy comes and do this, you remind him of this. When he says this, you do this. That's your inputting, okay? That's you saying, kink, hike the ball, because I'm going to blow it up. That's what the enemy desires to do. And so our job is now to allow what God has shared with us to be applied in our lives, okay? So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's focus on the Lord for just a moment as we kind of bring this down to our close. Father, we love you. And Father, I thank you that you allow giants in our lives. And I know, God, that's a weird thing to pray because giants aren't fun. Giants can be scary. Giants can be nerve-wracking. Giants can really affect us in many, many ways. And in, in our own understanding, in our own lives, if we had the choice, probably say, you know what, God, I'd rather not have any giants. I'm good. I'll just kind of cruise through things. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the truth, Father. If there's no giants, there's no giant victories. And God, you want to do giant victories in our hearts and in our lives. I love, God, that David said, listen, listen, when this happens, it's not just for me. When a victory is won, when you are lying on the field with your head removed from your body, Goliath, not only are you going to know, and you'll know the first, but all people will know there is a God in Israel. You see, Father, you want to let giants fall in our hearts, in our lives, not just for us, but for every other person we come in contact with because they're going to know there's no way, there's no way that could have happened without uh, someone bigger than the person with the slingshot. And so, God, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though it's not, you know, oh, oh goody, no one jumps up and down because they got a giant in their life. I thank you for them because they not only can impact us, but everybody around us. And Father, I pray that for us that are here today, those that are online, that Father, that in this moment, God, maybe we just help us to just store this in our heads, just deep in our hearts and deep in our spirit. Because I believe this, this is truly the enemy's battle plan. Now it may come in different forms or different types of ways. But I truly believe this is what he wants to do to keep us from the giants to fall in our church's life, in our community's life, in our family's life, and in our, in our individual lives. And Father, I just pray right now. And Father, for those that are dealing with these things and are waiting 
that, God, you would strengthen them, that, God, you would remind them of these truths. You would help them to be ready so when the time comes to meet the enemy, they're prepared and they're ready for you to win a great victory. God, you're so good. We thank you so much. God, we thank you right now in advance for the giants that are going to fall. God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And God, we pray that when those giants fall, the issue or the, the focus is never on the slinger. God, let the focus and let the glory always go to you. Because the people in this world, they don't need another David. They need a Jesus. And you're the one that does it all. So Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you that we know the enemy's play. And I pray that you would help us to apply what we've heard today to blow up any play of the enemy so that we can be victorious in your name. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, listen, I hope you have a wonderful week. Now, remember, um, for everybody that's able, we're heading over to Jason's Deli to have some lunch together. Um, I hope you can join us. If not, um, ladies, remember, you have your, your book group that's going to be meeting starting this Thursday. And then for everybody else, we have a brand new series that's going to be starting next week. I'm very excited about it. Um, and I want you guys to be here. So for those that are here, thank you for being here. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. Always know if you ever need anything that we're here for us, reach out and let us know. We want to be there in any way that we can. So love you all. Have a great week. And hopefully we'll see you all at lunch.